Hey mortals, Zach here with a few announcements. First, we just want to thank everyone for their ongoing support. Because of you, we've been able to continue producing and improving the show. It means a lot that you've stuck with us on our adventure so far. We've learned a ton since we first started, and hopefully you've noticed an improvement in production quality. Our internal standards for editing, effects, and music feel as though it's increasing with each episode. And upholding this new standard takes time we didn't originally anticipate when we first launched the show. Because of this, we quickly burned through our episode buffer and have been completing episodes only a few days before they are scheduled to launch. As I'm sure you can imagine, this process doesn't feel sustainable for us in the long term given our responsibilities outside of this podcast. To offset this, we are planning to take a break from our weekly releases for the next 8 weeks to afford us time to rebuild our buffer and prevent any unscheduled delays. That means our next episode will be released on March 14th, and we'll continue our weekly releases from that point on. We hope the culmination of the Nisserine arc is a satisfying time for this pause for you all as listeners, and there is a brief teaser of what's to come at the end of this episode. In the meantime, if you're eager for more content, we have nearly 40 downtimes and 8 metacasts on our Patreon you can check out if you haven't already. And for our patrons, we do plan to release content during this break for you to enjoy as well. So thanks again, and we're eager to get back to our weekly releases. Can't wait. Alright, episode starting now. Welcome to Mortals and Portals, a Pathfinder real play podcast. I am your host and GM, Zach, and joining me at the table is... Adam, and I play Jules, an Azerketty bard. I'm Joel, and I play Dax, a kobold rogue. Ryan, I play Tough, an automaton inventor. Taryn, I play Waltz, a human champion. Yeah, last time on Mortals and Portals, Digsby's crew duked it out with Sindor and had a pretty epic battle. Uh, lots of back and forth, lots of magic, explosions, flying, pillars of earth erupting into the air, all sorts of things, and it all culminated with all four of you climbing the pillar, surrounding Sindor, taking your best shots at him, finally wearing him down, and eventually shooting Sindor with Dunadas' ice round from Jules's pistol, and it erupted and knocked Sindor down. You all surrounded him. He was very weak. Tough approached him and asked about Dunadas, and if he killed him, he confirmed that he did not. And Sindor's final gift to you all was channeling his last remaining leyline power that seemed to have been killing him throughout the fight. And you all narrowly escaped the explosion by climbing off of a rope and hopping onto Smith and getting away. And we ended with one final erupts in the fight against. Sindor. So this is going to be a little bit of a different session because everyone has unfinished business in Nisreen. There's lots of characters and needs, threads to follow up on. So we're going to cover a lot of time in this episode, maybe over the next month or two, just helping the people restore Nisreen to its original state. So we're going to be doing lots of time jumps, following each individual character as they do whatever it is they wanted to do around Nisreen. And we're going to start with Dax. A lot of people fought in that final battle against Sindor. Lots of people got hurt. 
both on the side of the people of Karos and on the Drake Knights. Many of Sindor's evil creatures retreated into the wilderness. You hunted them down over time, perhaps fled to whatever crevices they can find. Many of the Drake Knights that survived instantly surrendered, deferred, and given a chance to leave the island, join the forces that will continue to defend it, and so on. And working alongside Toriel, you've set up a remote clinic near the orchard, where over the past few days you've been tending to some of these soldiers, honing your skills, learning from her, demonstrating what you've learned. And that'll bring us to Dax, checking up on some of Glorm's injuries from the fight. You see Whisk helping him into the tent. He's right over here. He's going he's gonna to take a look at you. Uh, I don't see why you couldn't just do it. You know, you're, you're so good with stitches and all. Well, this, this isn't really stitches, Glorm. I mean, it's like internal injuries and stuff. Yeah, whatever. Oh, hey, Glorm. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, good to see you too. What's going on? Well, you had me in this sling. I'm wondering when I can take it off. Well, Glorm, how's it feeling? Well, it frickin' hurts, Dax, but, I mean, it's really hindering sure, what sure. I'm trying to do, you know what I'm saying? It's also, sure, like, hard well. to look tough to all the other Drake Knights or whatever we're called now. No, that, I think that's fair. Uh, come on over here. Let me, oh, let me take a look. Man. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Keep your arm steady. I'll just uh, do a visual inspection as I take that sling off and uh, perform a treat wounds action. Roll it up. That is a... Dirty 20, which is not what you want in a medical. So dirty. (laughs) Infected 20. (laughs) So as you take the sling off, Glorm kind of fidgets. Ah, uh. And you start to slowly move his arm around, trying to figure out what his range of motion is. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, that hurts right there. Yeah, that's the spot. Yeah. And you realize that his shoulder is dislocated. Feeling Glorm's shoulder, it, it definitely feels out of place. Glorm, you didn't tell me about this last time you were here. Your arm's out of socket. It's because it's not that big of a deal, man. (laughs) Dax will pull out his dagger. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Oh, you're all right. You're all right. Just bite down on the handle here. Whoa. Oh, this looks badass. A dagger in the mouth? Yeah. He just chomps down on it, shows his little goblin fangs. (laughs) How do I I look, Whisk? Looks sick, man. All right. One, (laughs) two, and then he'll pop it on two. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Spits the dagger out. Dang. Oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. Now. All right, Glorm, wow. it's going to be sore for a while, but uh, Dang, try not dude. to lift anything too heavy for for a bit. Give it give it some time to heal up. Hmm. Okay. Glorm looks at Whisk. When are you going to learn to do something cool like that instead of just sewing or whatever? Hey, come on, man. I've given you tons of stitches. Yeah, I'm just kidding, buddy. And he pats him on the back and he's like, <laughs> and then Whisk looks at Dax. Thanks for taking care of him. Hey, I could I could speak for myself. Oh yeah, what do you want to say? <laughs> thanks for thanks for taking care of me. That's what I said. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, you got it, guys. Whisk, if you ever want to learn some more, uh, Nisserin can always use some more healers. I'd be happy to show you what I know. Glorm looks up at Whisk with an eyebrow cocked. Uh, do you think Commander Waltz would let me do that? Oh, I'm sure Waltz would be fine with it. Yeah, Whisk. He's. <laughs> it's not like he's like Commander Krim or anything. He seems pretty cool, and. I mean, you could always help out the Drake Knights if you could heal a little bit better. Not not that you didn't heal good before or anything. Oh, okay, yeah. That's that's cool. So you're saying, like, I can do whatever I want? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. But <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay, uh, yeah, I'd like that a lot. All right, Whisk, uh, you, 
you come back whenever you wanna whenever you wanna start that. Happy to teach you what I know. Glorm, remember, don't lift anything too heavy for a while. No promises. And he flexes his tiny little <laughs> goblin guns. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wisp says, All right, uh, I'll be back later. I think I'm gonna go take a cat nap. <laughs> Good one. And they walk off. <laughs> Dude, I love those two. And Dax, as you're sort of cleaning up your station, you just hear Toriel from behind you say, Great job, Dax. It's really great to have you around. I don't know how I'd be able to do this without you. It's great to be back, Toriel. Uh, I appreciate everything you've taught me. And if we give it some time and come up with some curriculum, I think we might be able to add some more people to this group. Um, I think it'd be a good idea if more people knew how to treat wounds like like you and I can. Um, What do you think about setting up some more areas like this so people don't have to travel so far? I think that's a great idea, Dax. We should probably have some more clinics around the island now that we have to look after more people than just Karos. You know, now that the Drake Knights are gone, at least I think. Yeah, I'm with you. Where do you think we start? Why not right here? The orchard's located near the center of the island. Could help a lot of people around here. And I'm sure whatever remains of the Drake Knights will still hold up at Scale Keep. We could look after them as well. It's not too far from here. I think that's a great idea. Be a good way to honor Digsby. You know, if I had learned some of this earlier, then, then maybe Digsby'd still be around, huh? She looks up at you. Smiles and looks down. Why don't you finish cleaning up and let's take a little walk. Alright. Dax will roll up the sling from Glorm and, and pack away some of the some of the gauze and sutures that have been kind of strewn about in, in the chaos of trying to triage all these people that are that have been coming in and look to Toriel and nod and get up and follow her. She leads you out of the tent and past Digsby's cabin. You see the remains of the barn that you guys exploded. You see the pillar of earth destroyed. You see some of the remaining Drake Knights working hard to pick up the area, piece things back together. She walks for a while, takes you into the orchard itself, past some of the apple trees, and gets deeper into the grove until you eventually reach what's clearly the oldest tree of them all. Much larger, taller, wide, overarching branches plenty of apples and even just standing near this tree you just feel some sort of calming presence as the breeze kind of sweeps its way through the orchard and rustles the branches slightly Dax will reach out a hand and touch the bark of the tree I can't believe I had never noticed this one before it's it's beautiful well it's hidden at the heart of the orchard and in a lot of ways it is the heart of this orchard how so? well You didn't know Digsby long, but I was actually here the day he arrived in Nisserine. Oh, really? Yeah, I was picking flowers, and he walked up with his wife, and she looks at you with a little bit of sadness in her eyes. Digsby had a wife? I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know her long, but the short time I did, she left quite an impression. Never met anyone sweeter, kinder, more gentle. She was perfect for Digsby, and he was perfect for her. They came here to start a new life, start a family, and they started this farm. Well, that's what it started out as. Really? Yeah, and his wife, her name was Silver. She wanted to start an orchard. I don't know all the details. It became hard to talk to Digsby after that, to get straight answers out of him, but something tragic happened, and Silver was taken unexpectedly. Digsby buried her here where this tree stands, and as I understand it, 
She had apple seeds in her pocket when he buried her, and she was a druid of sorts, and I don't understand magic much, but it seems like something truly magnificent happened, and this tree grew here, fueled by her magic, her love for him, his love for her. Hmm. And from this tree sprouted his apples, and the way I see it, Digsby just always viewed his apples as a reminder of her, almost as if this tree, the apples, embodied her presence in a way, gave him new purpose in life, new meaning. It's what drove him to keep going. It's why he cared so much about them. I know it probably seems strange from the outside, but the only time I've ever seen him as happy as he was when Silver was alive was when he met you all and started this Digsby's crew of his. So, just know that Digsby died on one of the greatest days of his life, and now he's with his beloved Silver, and that's okay. Dax will maybe wipe a tear from his eye. This has really put everything since he has met Digsby into perspective. I am. It shows why Digsby cared so much about the orchard, why he stood for his apples, and then Dax will kind of get a hitch in his breath when he remembers Digsby's famous line, that'll be one silver, and it has a whole new meaning now. Dax will reach out for Toriel's hand um, and grab it with both of his and just look her in the eye. Thank you for sharing that with me. As little time as I knew Digsby, he was such a positive force in this town and with our group. I'm not particularly spiritual, Toriel. I don't know about you, but I can't help but to feel like Digsby's finally back home with his silver. And that helps. So I thank you again, Toriel, for sharing this with me. No, Dex, thank you for everything you've done for Nisserine and what you've done, Digsby. And I agree. Somehow I know that he's where he's always wanted to be, with who he's always wanted to be with. And as she says that, a breeze rolls through the orchard, taking a few leaves off of this magnificent silver tree. That brush past your clothing, land at your feet. You can't help but feel like it's Digsby or Silver, perhaps both, reaching out to you and telling you that it's okay and they're at peace. Looking at the leaf that had fallen just perfectly at his feet, almost as a sign, Dax will bend down and pick it up, turn it over a few times in his hand, and reach back to his bag and pull out his bow and fasten the leaf to to his bowstring just as a reminder of Digsby and everything he's done for Karos and and his crew of friends Dax will slowly look back up to Toriel thanks again for everything I'm looking forward to getting some more people trained in medicine and in the meantime I'm I'm gonna go help Edwin get this back up and running to really honor Digsby as, as best we can. Perfect. He's very excited. I hear him talking about working in the orchard with you night and day. I bet <laughs> you do. Sounds he's, like a great idea. He's pretty excitable. She gives you a pat on the shoulder. And Dax, you really just feel like you have a true friend in Toriel. You feel like a weight's been lifted off of your chest, knowing that Digsby's at peace. With that, we'll check in on what Waltz has been doing during this time. So Waltz... You're standing at Scale Keep, surrounded by 
your loyal Drake Knights, or whatever they are now. Over the past few days, some that were fighting for Sindor have converted. You freed any that don't want to stay, and Glorm's looking at you. So, so what do we do now, boss? I mean, we killed Sindor. Do you want us to go into Karos and steal any more food? <laughs> oh, no, Glorm, uh, none of that'll oh. be necessary. Oh, am I misreading and, that? Uh, okay. Just, just remember, nobody here is obligated to stay in the Drake Knights. All right, everybody's free. They could do anything they want. Sindor doesn't control you anymore. Well, uh, Commander Waltz, that that reminds me, uh, uh, just spit it out, Whisk. Oh yeah, um, I was thinking about working with, you know, that Dax guy and and uh, Toriel, uh, you know, learning some tricks of the the healing trade and and whatnot. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, giving stitches, and uh, I kind of like blood and stuff like that, so, yeah. Uh, Would would that be okay? Yeah, no, Whisk, I think that's a fantastic idea. Oh, wow. And, uh, Glorm, I guess that reminds me. And I'll look at Glorm and Whisk. The Drake Knights, Drake Knights are no more. If anybody else wants to stay and, uh, do what Whisk is doing here, Use their skills to protect the people of Nisreen. You're going to be the commander if you choose to accept the position, that is. Whoa, wait, me? Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa. Uh, yeah. That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, listen, I noticed that you've had a uh, dislocated shoulder for about three days and just now went to go get it checked out. It wasn't That's that incredible. big of a deal. You were crying in your sleep. I heard you, Glorm. Shut up. <laughs> Like, just barely. Anybody who can hide their wounds from their men that well deserves to be commander. But hey, it's a big responsibility. Well, I guess, I mean, what do I do? Like, the Drake Knights, uh, our whole purpose was like shuttling Drake eggs and feeding Drakes and giving offerings to Drakes and stealing food for Drake Knights. Like, I mean, what do Drake Knights do now? Well, that's just sick, Lorm. Drake Knights don't do anything anymore. Oh, cool. This will be easy. <laughs> Our new, uh, our new name will be the Knights of Nisery. Whoa. Ooh. Hey, alliteration. Yeah, awesome. no, it's one of my favorite things when talking in any form is, uh, finding some form of alliteration. Did you come up with that yourself? Uh, yeah, I think I did come up with that myself. It, uh, yeah, it was me. Uh... <laughs> 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 I, I definitely believe Waltz would think that he came up with that after reading that off of Digsby's list. I love it. Yeah. It's just subconsciously in there. Well, it's really good, man. Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, kind of makes me want to not be a healer because I don't think they have such a cool name. Yeah, no, part of me thinks I actually didn't come up with that, but uh, a lot of a lot of me thinks I did. Uh, <laughs> then you probably did. Way, yeah, you're really smart. Yeah, yeah probably, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, nice and history. All uh, right. Cool. But, Glorm, our, uh, our responsibility will be to uh, make sure the people of Nisreen are safe. That's got to be your number one priority, all right? You think we'll see any action doing that? I mean, I finally got my first taste of real combat, and I freaking loved it. <laughs> well, listen here, Glorm. If you do your job right, there won't be any action. Mm. And that's the tough part. It's, uh, it's really difficult to uh, have a successful community if you just, you know, enjoy killing so much. You know, that might actually be kind of cool, though, because then, like, the people of Nisserine would like us. Yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah. normally they hated us. And to be honest, Sindor hated us, too. Yeah, everyone kind of hated us. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think I could do that. 
All right, well, uh, as, as great as it would be to just decide that you want everybody to like you, it's not that easy. Let me ask you this. What do you think the easiest way to get someone to like you is? I find that purring works. Well, that doesn't really apply to me, Whisk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> usually I just bully them until they like me. They don't actually like you when you do that, Gorm. They're just, like, kind of scared of you. Well, whatever, same thing. I don't think you're really listening to Commander Waltz. Listen, the way you get someone to like you is to just like them first. Dang, that's hard, man. And that's how you're gonna have to treat your men if you want them to like you. Listen, you gotta uh, look out for them first. All right, well... You gotta take care of them, and they'll take care of you. What do you mean, like, give them a back rub? Yeah, you can give me a back rub if you want. No, not you. You're too tall. Well, there you go. That's a great start. Oh, okay, uh, Wes, can you... <laughs> I don't think he was serious. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But my point is, Glorm, it doesn't have to be anything big. Just show your guys that you care for them, take care of them, and they'll take care of you. Oh, like how you helped us carry that deer. It's a four-goss slayer. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, no, the thing is, we had actually already killed four Goss by that point, remember? So, remember, th- we were talking about this a while ago, and so it was a little bit of deception. I had to, you know, I couldn't oh, let you guys yeah, know we yeah, killed yeah. four Goss and oh, the yeah. deer, so I just... To be honest, I wasn't listening. Uh, my shoulder was hurting really bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, how, how's it feeling now? That's good, man. All right, good. Good to hear. But listen, Waltz, uh, taking care of people, being nice or whatever... It's not really my specialty. In fact, if you're good at that in the Drake Knights, you usually end up dead. So, you got any good examples on how to do that? Well, shoot, I bet uh, everybody's pretty hungry. Why don't we make a nice meal for everybody? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could eat. You got any tuna? Oh, yeah, we probably could find some tuna or other uh, catfish for you. Is that all you eat, Whisk? Just fish? No, that's uh, a misconception, actually. Uh, I also like milk. <laughs> oh yeah okay well uh, i think we got something for you uh Swiss. cool all right well let's go so waltz you head to the kitchens of scale keep start whipping up some food for your knights of nisserine what are you making there waltz oh wow we got some uh brisket got some chicken stew and uh making some beef cakes nice go tell the guys yeah on it all of your loyal knights of Nisserine come in and start eating your food, having a big, happy meal. Waltz, you can't help but think back to your time in Mandaru when you came back from that big battle and all you wanted was a feast. And those pesky officers hoarded it to themselves and you got sentenced to death just for trying to share a meal with your fellow soldiers. And now here you are in charge doing what you wish always could have been done for you. Spreading joy, lifting morale after a long-fought battle, liberating Nisserine. Wow, this is great. Yeah, I think this is like the best food I've ever had. Where'd you learn to cook like this? Oh, uh, you know, back home where I'm from, uh, my father was a butcher and owned a butcher shop. And, you know, I took part in the family business. I just experiment with all sorts of meats. And uh, listen, my mom knew how to cook anything, I tell you. Man, more people got to know about this. Yeah, uh, I'm going to make sure everyone knows. And a few weeks later, word has spread of your delicious food. Even Dax, Jules, Tuff have come to try it as well. Waltz, this is incredible. Oh, Dax, glad you like it. 
In all my days, I've never tasted anything this delicious. Save for Digsby's apples, of course. Yeah, usually I can't really taste much, but uh, even my olfactory sensors are picking this up. Not bad at all, Waltz. I put a little bit of uh, oil in yours. I figured somehow that would do something since you're a robot and all. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, uh, Waltz, this is pretty much turning into a full-fledged restaurant here. I mean, people from all over Nisseri have come here. I mean, you gotta name this place, you know? I mean, saying, hey, come up to Skill Keep to have Waltz's food. It's in the kitchens. It's just, it takes a long time to say. Yeah, I know that's a good point. Why don't we call it, uh... Dooney's Diner. Yeah. Tuff will look up at Waltz right as he says that, and then just kind of look back down at his food. Waltz? It's perfect. I like it. Well, it's settled then. Dooney's Diner, going up here in Scale Cape. Hey, hand me one of those, uh, what, what'd you call it? A, a, a Digsby's brew. Oh, yeah, and then I'll hand him uh, the Digsby brew. He picks up the horn of ale and just slams it back, just dripping down his face. Man, that's good. I can I can even taste the hint of apple in there. Oh man. Oh yeah, no, that's uh that's a little trick I do uh with the apples from the orchard. Hey Whisk, how's your uh how's the Ryu Digsby crew chicken stew? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's God. really good. It's just uh, it's a long name. <laughs> yeah, it's good. A lot of rhyming good. and names in there, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's just things just kind of kept working out where they rhymed with the chicken what stew. What if we just so called figured... it like crew stew or something like simpler than that? I mean, it's whatever. Uh, hey, uh, anyways. Um... Yeah, the uh, oil suddenly turned me off this uh, whatever you would call it now. You got anything else on the menu? Well, we got Glorm's Flavor Storm. We got the Whisk <laughs> Brisk. It. Oh, I love that Brisket. One. It's, oh. uh, it's brisket. It just takes a while to get to the... It doesn't rhyme anymore. And then we got uh, Bed Jumps Beef Cakes. Those are my favorite. And you feel a oh. breathy voice <laughs> on the back of oh, your neck. <laughs> Benjamin, where did you come from? What? Benjamin, how did you know how to get here? Oh, I just, I got back from the sea. You guys shot the flare. Yeah. Uh, I got back uh, and I was starving and everyone was just talking about this food and I just followed the aroma all the way here. You got a fantastic sense of smell there, uh, Benjamin. That's yeah. got to be at least 20 miles, right? At least. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm just going to go grab some coffee, and I put a hand on Benjamin. Benjamin, you've lived up to your expectation, and I walk away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, Tough. If you think of a clever name for the coffee, please let me know. I've had a tough time naming that one. I put my hand up as I'm walking away. At the top of my priority list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about Benjamin's beans? Uh, Benjamin's brew? Maybe just one item. We already did the brew to commemorate us, remember? The the Digsby's brew? Oh, us? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like too much uh, attention too much brew. being yeah. brought to one name on the list there, Benjamin. Thanks for, thanks for letting me participate in the. In yeah, this. no, uh, you definitely helped us out, so you deserve to be What are we doing after this, Waltz? Uh, <laughs> gotta clean what are up me and place. you doing after this? <laughs> uh, well, we could... Uh, <laughs> Walk in the same direction as we both go home, uh, to, to our different homes, obviously. Oh, okay, well, well, the offer still stands to stay with me. Well, uh, I really appreciate that, Benjamin, but, uh, I just don't see... I would very much like that. I just don't think I'd enjoy it quite at all, really. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> I 
forget, I, forget I said anything about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. You're just a little, you're just a little much, Benjamin. Sometimes, but as your friend, I want to make sure I tell can you. Can I, you can I have another it. Benjamin's beefcake? Yeah, here you go. Thanks. He eats it in one bite in front of you. <laughs> stares at you. <laughs> All right, Benjamin, you're doing that thing that we talked about a while ago, <laughs> where you kind of stay in an interaction a little too long. What are you doing after this, <laughs> Benjamin? And with that, <laughs> we'll cut over to what Jules is doing. Oh, that's so good. So, Jules, you've took it upon yourself to help restore the docks in Carapan since you blew a lot of that up. Whoopsies. Help Nisserine get their ships up and going once again so they can establish trade and reconnect with the rest of the planet of Lorthal. Which, by the way, I don't know if I've ever said out loud that you guys are on Lorthal. So that's the planet you're on if you didn't figure that out already. And unfortunately, one of the most experienced sailors on this island <laughs> is Benjamin. Ben, jump, jump, jump. So, uh, Jules, yes, what are we, uh, we going to do? Uh, what's your plan? Well, Benjamin, for starters... We're going to build another... Please, first off, take one step back. (laughs) Just a little little too close. Just slightly. I can smell your your beefcakes in your breath. It's just... Oh, yeah, sorry. He reaches in his shirt pocket and pulls out another beefcake and just starts eating it while you're talking to him. (laughs) But at least he's not breathing on you right now. (laughs) Take a a swig of this rum, why don't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so as I was saying... First off, we're going to build another dock so that uh, once trade opens again, um, it allows for even greater amounts of goods to come in and out. Yeah, we should probably export these beefcakes. I mean, we could make a killing. Yes, I agree. Waltz's Benjamin's beefcakes are like nothing else. I'll say. I would have ever thought I'd eaten before. Uh, But pay attention. Yeah, I am. Next, and, and I will certainly uh, carry the brunt of this duty. Uh, we we must clean the ships. Uh, certainly the bottoms have yeah, accrued dirty. a lot of barnacles and bilge. I'll have those that can't breathe underwater uh, focus on the top part of the ship. Can I breathe the- underwater? No, I can't. Yeah. Okay, you can certainly breathe out here. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> he starts choking on his beefcake as he's laughing. I'll roll my eyes and I'll help him. I'll pat Sorry. him on the back. You can't say jokes while I'm eating a beefcake. <laughs> Sorry about that, Benjamin. Uh, all right, well, we best get to it. By the way, uh, after this is all over, if you need a first mate or something, I just want to throw my proverbial hat in the ring uh sailing has been in my family for a long time my starting with my great grandpa sam jum so it's in my blood i'll stare at him for a second all right and then i'll turn and start walking (laughs) so okay all right okay i'll keep it in mind please do jules you spend the next few weeks helping getting things up and running getting the docks repaired, just providing guidance with your many years of experience as a pirate, your profound knowledge of the ocean in general, and just your charismatic leadership and are 
and Nisreen is well underway to establish its naval presence, its trade routes, and so on. And one day, you were riding into Karaos just to get some supplies and check on their docks there as well, because as you mentioned early on when you talked to the fish, you're going to fix this, so you're just getting that all up in order. And you see Dax. Hello, Dax. Well, hey, Jules. What's up? I was wondering if you uh, would take a ride with me. Uh, sure. I'll hit the reins, and um, I'll start leading the cart. Where are we headed? Uh, someplace familiar, and I'll head out of town. And after a bit of travel, uh, we end up on a beach. Uh, it is a familiar beach. Uh, you would remember it as where you first saw Jules walking up from the ocean. And I'll kind of park the cart towards the beach, and I'll say, Dax... Do you remember this place? Uh, well, yeah, it's where we first met, isn't it? It is indeed. You know, we haven't really taken the time to share our pasts quite yet. I'm sure we will divulge that information in time. Um, you know, where we came from. You know I arrived from Aquaria and that I was born in Sidonia. I'll spare you the long story of how I left my so-called home, but uh, the short of it is that I was banished for being different. Really? Unfortunately so. My whole life I've longed for adventure. Uh, wanting to know what's what's out there, living under the sea, starts to feel a little secluded. I was searching for something that I felt I could truly call uh, home. I thought I'd maybe found it in a life as a pirate, but tough. But there was still something missing. Until I found you all. I can't explain it. I'm curious. If you feel the same. You know, Jules, growing up on Dracus, family isn't something we're very familiar with. I don't know how much I've talked about home, really, but, you know, I I don't know my parents. They didn't know their parents. That's just not the way it works back home. But I will say you, Waltz, you know, Ryu, Dunadas, Digsby, they, Toriel, they, you all feel like family. Aye. Dax, I, uh, before we fought Sindor... Couldn't help but notice, uh, something was troubling your mind. I've noticed that it stayed with you. Uh, as time's passed, you've learned to suppress it, I think, and... Yeah. I can still, uh, I can still sense something. Listen, I, I just want to tell you. You don't have to tell me what it is. But if ever you feel comfortable, and you feel ready, uh, you can trust me. Whenever you're ready. And then I'll start to gather the reins... Uh, and if he doesn't say anything, I'll get the cart going and head back to Karos. Dax will stick out his hand in front of the reins. Jules, um... What is it, Dax? It's... it's Dunadast. Dunadast? I'm the reason he's not here anymore. How do you mean? I... I found him down in the dungeons, in Scale Keep. Sindor had him chained up. When I found him, he was... He was in rough shape, and Dax will pause for a long time and look down at his ripped sleeve for a few moments, maybe even kind of like pick at it or play with it. It felt like I had no choice. Dax, I... I I don't understand. What do you mean you had no choice? Dunadas said there was nowhere for him to hide. No... 
No way he felt safe from Sindor. No way that Sindor wouldn't be able to use his knowledge to turn the Arcanor into into a device that would wreak unspeakable havoc to to everything we we've seen. Dunadas begged me to kill him. I'm so sorry. And Dax will put his head in his hands. Jules is just staring, uh, staring ahead. He's quiet for a moment, just processing everything and wipes some tears from his eyes. And he puts his hand on Dax's shoulder and he says, Dax, uh, I'm so sorry. What are you sorry. sorry for me for? I'm the one who should be sorry. This world needed Dunadast, and and it's my fault. If it was Dunadast's wish, then there's little you could do about that. You were helping out a friend, and if he truly felt it was best for the world for his knowledge to die with him, then you did the right thing. I wish I was that sure. Just give it time, Dax. It was an impossible choice. I can't say I know what I would have done if I was in your position, but uh, ultimately you were um, acting out the wishes of a close friend. Listen, Dax, I, uh, I'll keep your secret, but you know that you have to tell tough when the time is right. I know. Thanks, Jules. Of course. That's what family's for, right? Dax will ever so slightly chuckle. You'd hardly even notice, but he'll put his hand on Jules' knee and say, let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's get back, and I'll hit the reins and head back to car. And on that note, we will cut to Tuff, standing there, looking at Dunadast's grave as Jules finishes the final notes of Horizon's son at his funeral. Everyone taking a moment as the words of Horizon's son ring in their ears, thinking of Dunadast, and the crowd begins to disperse. Tuff will just be standing in front of the grave, staring down as Jules finishes Horizon's son, just thinking to himself. Waltz will walk up to Tuff. Hey, uh, listen, Tuff. I know this uh, must not be easy, but uh, listen, none of this would be possible without Dunadas. And I'll just gesture to Karos and walk off. As Dax passes Tuff, he will very briefly put a hand on a shoulder like not without even looking at him really just almost as he's walking by he doesn't even stop and just say pretty quietly sorry he was a good guy and then he will go sit down Jules will walk up to Tuff and embrace him and uh, pull him away look him right in the eye and say I'm sorry brother he would have been proud of you Tuff initially not being able to look Jules in the eyes, kind of looking down into the side awkwardly, thinking of his life with Dunadast, and though it wasn't a majority of his life, it was definitely the best parts of his life. Dunadast was his creator, and the only person who treated him as more than an automaton for most of his life, and now he's gone, even more so than he was when Tuff was left alone, when Dunadast had to leave for Nisreen in the first place. And then I look up at Jules and look him in the eyes, and perhaps with this look, try to grasp at the last person in Keldora who he feels he has any true connection with, but remain silent. Give it time, tough. And then I'll tussle his little tuft of hair, and uh, I'll stand up and 
walk away, maybe catch up with the rest of Digsby's crew and talk about how nice of a service that was. Dax, can you roll me a perception check? Oh, no. Using the new dragon head, Dax had a doom. Let's go. Oh, but nat ones. Sorry, what, uh, perception? Yes. Uh, non-natural 20. Ooh. Dax, as you're walking off, feeling the stress of having walked past Tough without him knowing the truth, it was very difficult for you to be at that ceremony, although you take some comfort in knowing that Jules knows. You still don't feel completely unburdened, obviously, and as you feel stressed about this and think of Tough, you sort of glance over your shoulder and see him with his head hung low, and he looks up and sighs, reaches in to his jumpsuits, pulls out some shards of glass, looks at him in his hand, Oh no! pondering them for a moment, and puts them away. I call out to Jules. Hey, Jules. Yes, Tough, what is it? I'm guessing Dunadast's got a lab somewhere here, right? Uh, yes, he does. I, I know where it is. Yeah, point me in the direction, please. I'll take you there myself. No, no. Uh, I'll be fine alone, if you can just tell me where to go. You see that humble hut just over there? That is Dunadast's home. You'll find the entrance to the lab underneath his table. Hmm. Classic Dunadast. Yeah, I'll catch up with you guys. There's just something I gotta take care of. Take your time. And I will make my way to Dunadas lab. Tough. You will walk in to Dunadas hut, taking note of how simple it is, how inconspicuous everything looks. You almost scoff at the fact that Jules told you where the lab is in the first place, because you quickly pick up on the signs of the positioning of the floorboards, the table... You can see some signs on the floor of the dust being moved as the rug was moved to reveal the trapdoor. Push the table to the side, move the rug. I'll stomp on the floorboards a bit, see if I can find one that sounds a little more hollow than another. After a few stomps, you feel a revealing thud. Put your fingers underneath, lift it, revealing a trapdoor with stairs into a cellar. (sighs) Let's get this over with. You walk down there, ignite some torches, and immediately can tell that Dunadas did not have much to work with, but was doing his best down here. A few lab tables, some vials, chests in the corner. Huh. A little more bare bones than Garinar, huh, Dunadast? Tough. You see a lot of things you want to check out down here, but are determined to investigate this vial. Spent some time going through some of Dunadas' tools, rummaging around. Before getting started, I take the goggles off my forehead place them over my eyes, maybe flip a few notches on the side to get some lenses to pop down to help magnify one eye. Use a technique Dunadas taught you long ago, essentially destroying the remaining shards of glass and extracting any moisture that remains within them by converting it to gas and then reconverting it to liquid. Not sure if that's possible. Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Tough can do it. Fantasy world. Chill out. (laughs) After many hours in this lab, investigating, running through this painstaking process, can you roll me a crafting check? I too will use my new dice, Joel. Heck yeah. I actually have, like, layered information you're going to find out, depending on how well you roll, by the way. Oh, I got an 18. After extracting what little moisture you can, you then apply it to some... Special parchment, 
You've applied some chemicals too that will react to whatever liquid you place on it, giving some indicator of what it is. And as you pour the few drops of liquid from this vial onto the parchment, you see it shift its color to a greenish yellow. And as you observe it, you know you may have done something incorrect in your process that has tainted the results to some extent. Dang knowing it. the variation in color. But you give it some time, letting the air react with it, letting the color settle. And when it's all said and done, you realize the poison, Frithator, also known as the Peaceful Poison, was used on Dunadast. You know, this poison was designed for the healers of Haleham back on Mortifar to help terminally ill patients in a lot of pain pass on to the next life, but has its uses in the underground with assassins, criminals, agents that may be captured and would rather die than forfeit information or be subject to torture. You know that it's difficult to get your hands on this type of poison, but you do take some solace in the fact knowing that if this is what killed Dunadas, then he surely felt no pain and that it only works on subjects that are willing due to its magical nature. But you do know there is some other liquid mixed in with this that has tainted the results, but because of your mistake in the process, you're unable to deduce what that is. What is it, Zach? It's Dax's It's Dax's blood. If he rolled really well, yeah, I would have oh. known it's like blood. Oh. If he rolled even better, he would have known it's it like Which makes it worse, because now he thinks I'm taint- that it was tainted, probably, I would think. Uh, Frithator, huh? The reason I even have these shards of glass from the vial is because I had gone to investigate that cell where Dunadas was. Do I have any sense that Dunadas might have used this on himself? Not necessarily, because when you found him, he was suspended in chains, and the vial was far from him. So you wouldn't directly infer that unless there was some elaborate staging going on. No way you could have used this on yourself. You were poisoned, but you could only take this if you were willing. Now, why would you be willing, and who would be willing to give it to you, is the real question here. While you're pondering this dilemma, you sit down in the lab and finally take a moment to observe everything else that's in there. And you look over and see a familiar chest in the corner. You instantly recognize it as one of the chests that Dunadest took when he left Garinar. You see it bearing the sigil of the university. Runes etched in a circle, traced in intertwined circular lines that run all the way around it. You know the runes to represent various signs of knowledge in Norvik lore. What do you do? I lean forward and put my elbows on my knees. Huh, what have we here? And I'll get up and walk over to the chest. You see that it is locked and has a four-digit combination, each number represented on a circular dial that you need to align. Ah, oh, man. And I'll just kind of look around the room and see if there's any sort of hint as to what this code might be. You roll me a perception check? User 11. Tough, you scan the room and stop, realizing that Dunadast is smarter than leaving hints to the combination displayed somewhere in the lab. And you know it must be a number he would remember. And yeah. you also know Dunadas is a sentimental person and 
Maybe it has some significance to him. Oh, Dunadas, what did you care about here in Karos? Can you roll me a thievery check? Hmm. Thievery check, that'll be a 21. Nice. You squat down to the level of the chest, your elbows on your knees, inspecting it, knowing you don't know much about Karos, and you start to notice the dispersion of wear on these dials, start playing with them, and feel that given the age of this chest, how many times it's been used, just by following the signs of this wear with a little bit of troubleshooting, could perhaps figure out the combination. After spending some time turning it, hearing a few clicks, you align the fourth and final number, hearing a final satisfying click as the chest lifts open and realize the combination was 4984, the year you were created. Oh, man. <laughs> He's the password child. <laughs> Adam knows. Tough will know. sit in silence for a moment and breathe out a sigh and wipe away a tear. You lift the chest open, and all you see is a tattered notebook. I pick it up. Can you roll me a perception check? You open perception it up, and check, it says it was Dax. <laughs> if I ever die, it was Dax. <laughs> Alright, I got a 15 You spent some time flipping through this A lot of it's confusing to you Almost perhaps because of the emotion of the situation Maybe not in the right headspace So you take some time to go sit down in the corner In a chair And spend a few hours going through this book A lot of it is schematics for various things Notes, ideas Some information about Dunadast's travels since you last saw him, some even before. You see the signs of his scattered note-taking, sometimes pages containing incomplete thoughts, calling back to notes on another page, or something you could never possibly understand, but if he read, might dig up a deep-rooted memory that he could use to complete these notes. <laughs> so disorganized. Which is feeding into a lot of this confusion, and as you're flipping through the book, you pause for a moment as you see schematics and in this schematic is a drawing of you or at least you think it's you you don't know why else dunadas would be <laughs> sketching crudely drawn robotic cats <laughs> and illustrated next to it is the idea for an extendable tail and instructions on how one might craft this given enough time and resources and you can tell just by the page that this schematic is on that Dunadast wrote this long after he left Garinar, showing signs that he had been thinking of you all along. <laughs> Tuffle stare down at the schematic, look up, so you never did forget about me, huh? And you continue to flip through the book and pause again, because your eyes are drawn to this very complicated equation, one you really aren't in a position to understand. You almost can't believe Dunadas could understand it. Study a little bit, knowing some of Dunadas's habits and backgrounds, and wonder how even he could come up with this equation. Part of you even wonders if he did. And you look further down the page, seeing instructions, further schematics, information, and realize this is very clearly instructions on how to build an Arcanor. Hmm. Garinar? may still get what you asked for yet. And, excited by your discovery, 
continue to flip through the book and get to the last page with any sort of writing on it. Look very confused at this one as well. It seems like another incoherent collection of thoughts. Can't quite understand it, but it looks like it was written quite recently, as it looks like the freshest ink in the book. There's a date written on there, roughly two weeks ago. After talking with Digsby's crew, you know that this is around the time they arrived. You see some etchings of the planets and their rotations. Some dots that, given your limited knowledge of nodes and some of their locations, at least the most prolific ones, using context clues, can deduce that he was trying to figure out if certain nodes could align on this date. It's lots of equations written off to the side, complicated math, and you can see the result of these equations is that these nodes couldn't possibly have aligned anywhere near this date. And then you see in bold the words, the keepers, with a question mark next to it and an underline beneath it. And underneath that line lists Dax, Waltz, Jules, Ryu, Tough, with a question mark next to it. Keepers. And I shut the book closed, tuck it away, and I'll make my way out of the lab. And with that, we'll fast forward. The rest of you have been in Nisreen for a couple months, taking care of all of your duties, anything you wanted to get in order before you left. Some of you maybe wonder if you do want to stay here, but you know there's so much more out in the world to explore. After spending time talking to one another, I feel that it makes sense for you to travel together, even if it is for one last time, as you take a ship to the mainland, Benjamin's ship. But that's for later. That's in the morning. You have one last night in Nisserine, and Jules has gathered you around to unveil something near the docks of Karos as the sun begins to set on the horizon. So what's all the fuss about, Jules? Well, as you know, I've been coming to the beach uh, every night for the past couple of weeks. Been working on something for our friend Ryu. I finished it last night, and uh, I wanted to show you all. I walk up to a large shape, um, obscured by a, a sheet, and turn to look at them so I can capture their reactions. And I'll say, for Ryu. And I'll pull the sheet, and at first it just looks like a nicely collected pile of rocks. Uh, what is it, Jules? That's... that's something. Also just scratch his head. Is this one of those avant-garde things you artists are all about? Great job, Jules. Benjamin, did you follow us here? Yeah, you said Digsby's crew. Get outside. <sighs> Whatever. All of you. It's it's almost time. Come stand with me. And uh, I'll turn around to face Karos as the sun is setting behind us. I'll wait for you all to come stand next to me. And once everyone's in line, um, as the sun begins to set, even though the statue doesn't look like anything when you look at the statue, the setting sun casts a shadow that uh, goes towards Karos, and it is clearly a familiar silhouette of our friend Ryu. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. Hey, I think I kind of see something in the shadow. Jules, that's incredible. I just named a uh, item in my menu after Ryu, but made a whole shadow portrait of him over the city. I'll look to Walt and smile, and then I'll look back at this shadow and 
I'll say, you'll forever look over Karos. Ah, uh, so that's Ryu, huh? I thought he looked kind of familiar. And then I'll lean over to Benjamin. His hair looked a whole lot wispier when I saw him, though. Because of the wind going through his hair? <laughs> right. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, I don't know if he could get the rocks to mimic that movement. Yeah, you're sure. probably right, but I'm no artist. Also, I think it's kind of poetic how Ryu was blind and this is something you can't quite tangibly grasp, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Benjamin. Uh, what? You're full of surprises. Thanks. Can you make one of me? <laughs> no. I originally thought this was of me. No, okay. Right. Benjamin, the overstepping thing again. Okay. Right. Benjamin, I want you to know I've regretted every single conversation I've ever started with you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Profound. Hey, by the way, Waltz, I've been trying to style my hair like yours. How does it look? There's like four strands that he normally comes over. He has it just like swished back and kind of wisping in the wind. It uh, looks good. It kind of has that thing that uh, Duff was explaining with the wispiness and everything. It's because it's so thin. Oh, dang it. Oh, no, it's, uh, no, it, it, it's, uh, it's not. Oh, can I? <laughs> Thanks. Can I try to steal uh, a Benjamin beefcake? Can I try to steal one from his pocket? Go for it. Roll a TV check. <laughs> He's super aware you're going to have to do really well. <laughs> About these beefcakes. Does he just have them in his pockets? Mm-hmm. A 19. <laughs> if this was any item other than a beefcake... <laughs> That may have succeeded. You reach out to grab the beefcake out of his back pocket. Uh, Don't touch my beefcake! And he slaps your hand. (laughs) Ah, God, you're stronger than you look. Benjamin, I haven't made beefcakes in two days. That's disgusting. It's fine. I've only sat on it a couple times. Tuff sniffs his hand. Ugh. (laughs) Smells good, doesn't it? Hey, why why don't we all have one last night at Bumblebrooks before we head off? What do you think? I'd like nothing more. Yeah, I could use a good time right now. Yeah, it sounds great. As the group starts to walk back, Jules will just take a moment to look at the statue and he'll put a hand on it and um, he'll just say, I'll see you around, old friend. Oof. And then turn and catch up with the group. So you all have a wonderful final night in Nisserine, enjoying Bumblebrooks. One last time, everyone... You know, well, is there. Whisk, Glorm, Ira, Toriel, Benjam is going to be on the ship with you tomorrow. A few times you look over at an empty seat next to you, thinking of Rio. Look to the bar where you had coffee at Dunadast. Think of him as well. You look to the stairs that lead up to the rooms and think of your sleepless nights with Bigsby. <laughs> yeah. Crunching on apples. Yep. Talking about And you girls. think about how the first time you had to leave this tavern... It was to set out on an epic, deadly, and critical adventure. And tomorrow when you leave, it's to set out into the unknown with your new friends, knowing that you've freed this island, avenged Bigsby, Dunadast, Rio, and left your mark for good. That morning, as the sun is rising, you load up onto the ship, Benjam, taking a headcount, breathing in your face as you walk in. Tough, Waltz, Jules, Dax. All right, that's everybody. Good job, Benjamin. <laughs> I'm just really excited to spend this entire voyage with you guys. wonder if my boss is going to be upset. Uh, last time I, I left was 20 years ago, and I didn't bring the ship back, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Benjamin walks off, gathering up 
the rest of his men to prepare the ship for departure. And you all look out towards Karos and see all of your friends waving at you happily. Hey, fellas, what's got one tail and is ready for our next adventure? And then you see a tail wind up behind Tuff and point at himself. This <laughs> automaton. Ah, Tuff, you finally got a tail. Took you long enough. What, you don't feel I've got your back enough already? Ha, well, we'll see about that, but just in case, Dunad asks left back one final gift. I love it. And I shoot it out and extend it oh, above my head. I love it and even whip more! whip it around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive, huh? His blueprint was pretty cool, but I gotta say, I made a few minor tweaks to give it a little more pizzazz. I can see that. Match the tough style, if you know what I mean. I like it. Yeah, thanks, Dax. I like your, uh... Uh, knife. Pretty cool. I mean, it's no tail, but, uh, you know. Uh, thanks. Oh, speaking of, shouldn't you have one? Well, technically, yes. Uh, I lost it back home. Ah, well, sorry. I only had the parts for one. (laughs) That's alright. I'm getting used to it. Also, we'll look out over the horizon back at Karos and Nisserine and say, I'm gonna miss that place. Jules will lean up against the railing of the back of the ship and smile and say we can always come back and wave at him i'll miss some parts of it that's for sure guys i don't think you're making big enough deal out of this look at this tail <laughs> and i whip it around <laughs> benjam departs from the dock everyone in Karos cheering for you waving plotting as you say goodbye to your friends and as you make your way into the vast sea towards the rising sun, Dax, you sit down for a moment and pull out Digsby's book. You've been spending some time reading through it, and a certain passage falls out to you as you think about how you're all setting off on a new adventure, putting the past behind you, moving on from the sorrow, and looking to your new purpose, and you feel compelled to share it with the group. Hey guys, will you come over here a second? What is it, Dax? Oh, what's going on? I retract my tail. Ugh, fine. Dax will just hold up the book to signal to everybody that he's about to read from it. And Dax, now that you know Digsby's backstory, you can tell he's talking about himself, but it feels very fitting how it applies to you all. And you begin to read again, all of you, hearing it in Digsby's voice. Whether we know it or not, we all have a vision of what we want out of life. Something that drives us, pushes us to keep going. Whether it be to live a certain life. Dax will think back to his home just a little bit as that passage is read. To find our true love. Jules will lower his head slightly, uh, thinking of Kyra. To be surrounded by family. Tuff will retract his head back slightly kind of surprised at how applicable the words of a stranger are to him. Or to protect the ones we hold most dear. Waltz will adjust his shield and the rest of his gear. But fate, fate does not care for our plans. This life it gives and it takes. But just as harvest comes and goes, so too does our pain. For the same dirt in which we bury our sorrows sprouts new purpose. May not be what we planned, but it's a gift we cannot refuse. 
for ourselves and for those we love. And your ship sails off into the rising sun towards your new purpose. But in a different ocean, on a different planet, we see another Mm -hmm. ship, this one set against the setting sun, an all-black ship anchored off a remote island, a dark, hooded figure wearing a dirty and torn cloak that billows in the wind, watches a raft rowing towards him, towards the shore of this island. A tall, lean, and menacing bugbear piloting the ship, his dark beard flowing in the wind, with a crooked fang protruding from his (laughs) lips. Yes! Steps out of the boat, walking towards the figure. The hooded figure, with its head low, says, Do you have it? What? The bugbear, towering over this short, stocky figure, says, I, but I wonder, why shouldn't I keep it for myself? Have I not paid you well enough, Captain? The rest is there for the taking. And he gestures to a chest, resting in the sand, glistening from the setting sun, bearing the sigil of a three-pronged flame encased in a diamond. Oh, well, that's part of the problem. No one man can offer such riches honorably. Makes me wonder who will come looking for it. Your ignorance precedes you, Crook Fang. You may be the most feared captain of the Silvera, but to the rest of Keldora, you're nobody. Just another proverbial empire on the brink of collapse. Crook Fang grimaces, looks angry with a furrowed brow as he reveals his crooked fangs. Look here, you little weasel. The figure looks up, revealing glowing red eyes that contrast against gray, lifeless skin and a white, bushy beard. His voice deepens in booms with an unnatural echo. Give me the compass! Crookfang's demeanor changes. He blinks and calms himself, as if entranced, pulling a compass out of a pouch and slowly hands it to the figure. Take your loot! Be gone! Crookfang slowly walks to the chest, loads it into his ship. The figure watches as the sun disappears on the horizon, darkness engulfing him. He looks to the compass, opens it as a projection of the system of Keldora illuminates before him, revealing its seven planets, mimicking its orbits, each planet containing dimly glowing dots upon them. He stares lifelessly at the map, then furrows his brow as he observes the fourth planet from the sun, Lorthal, the elvish homeworld. Uh-oh. He touches the planet as it expands before him, begins to rotate it with a gesture of his fingers, 
until he observes the brightest glowing dots of all. A slight grin creeps across his face as he snaps the compass closed. And that oh is crap. session. Yeah, stay oh. tuned for the next arc of Mortals and Portals. But you know what, guys? I, I'm just, I was just, I was watching your faces as I read that, yeah. and getting this vibe that you want to, that you want to talk about it. And it's yeah, that was a lot. We've done this whole arc. 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 Shut up! Shut up! Shut up, 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 good reviews put up comments stuff like that there's a chance we'll read on the show because we just want to let you guys know that we see it and we appreciate it and it doubles as me being able to thank the crew for all their hard work and again i'm gonna butcher actually i don't even know if i can butcher this name because i don't even know how to say it in the first place so i'm probably gonna naturally butcher it but this is a cool review we saw uh the other day on apple Podcasts, and it's by the to to hey to hey guy uh something like that you know to hey guy <laughs> um and he titled this review peak actual play thanks man oh by the way he so everyone calls it actual play and i know I, I i don't know why i subconsciously like the first time we did the episode call this a real play podcast i don't know if people use that term but you know it's too late man it's already ingrained in my mind that's why i said <laughs> the intro we're a real play podcast but yeah peak actual play gave us five stars appreciate it man and he said was browsing the pathfinder 2e subreddit and saw that these guys were just starting listened to their first two episodes and was immediately hooked and been immortal ever since Consider supporting them on Patreon because they're really the coolest dudes in the role-playing space. Hey, good job, guys. Right You're also that. cool. Oh, did you hear that? Like Just like my mom says. Readers. And then he mentioned a Reddit comment reviewing the show that said, A really good litmus test for me is whether or not you could imagine that if the power went out and they couldn't record, the game would continue because that's what they were there to do. And yeah, this show is great. Listen to it. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad that that vibe comes across where, like, we're not, like, this performance first um, sort of thing, and we are just playing. Like, yeah, maybe we take a moment to reset our lines so they're clear for you guys, and we do some light editing to cut out. (laughs) Light editing? There's so many loops, Max, we have to cut out. Yeah, Yeah, just some editing to cut out all the the boring stuff, but we just, we hope it feels like you're just sitting there with us at our table and uh, playing alongside of us. And, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to write that review. Uh, Really is the fuel that keeps us going so thank you so much thank you and thank you to, to hey y'all in the next arc we'll see you next time mortals all right you guys ready uh yeah. but hey, it's not today really quick how much health did i lose that one time zach was it seven damage <laughs> that one time with the, like that writing that down like that's for you I, to track bro i know i forgot Immediately after you said <laughs> I think it, it was seven. Seven's fine. Cool. Uh, I don't go. Hey, Zach, you know that. you're like running the whole game and playing every turn and like, <laughs> hey, I, I realized I was my own health a long time ago, but. <laughs> Can you keep track of my health while you're at it?